You're listening to the No Name Photo Show. It's not spouse approved. It may or may not be safe for work. We'll see. And now here's your host, Brian Matias, and me, Sharky James. So, Brian, here we are, episode 11. We have undecupulled our episode output. So, we undid our decupulls? Is that what you're saying? We undecupulled it. We didn't un undecupulled it. It's technically number 11. All right. Anyhow. <laughs> Tell us what's on the show today. You know, it's funny. People love this. The stupid tuples. Go ahead. So for the show today, Sharky, we're going to start off with a story that I read a couple weeks ago, which just still I get I get angry. I get warm. This uh, couple, uh, they were newlyweds. They got married in uh, the island of Rhodes. Is Rhodes an island? Actually, it's there in Greece, basically. Yeah, a Greek island, Rhodes. I'm half Greek and I have no idea. Let's just say it is. It is. And because of a certain stunt that they did with their photos, their wedding photos, it had a profound and significant impact on future tourists. So we're going to talk about that. The second half of the show is going to be a bit of some follow-ups. We're going to follow up with some stuff that we talked about in previous episodes specifically. You remember we talked about, you know, mobile photography workflows, and I said how I'm going to try it out when I went to Tetons. And then we're also going to do kind of a, I don't know if I'm going to call it a redaction of sorts, but in episode nine, we talked about photography etiquette, if I remember correctly. And I talked about a photographer who was at the Moulton Barnes in uh, Mormon Row. And so there are some con- <laughs> conflicting stories between me and, and my wife, Nicole. This is going to be great. I can't wait to hear about it. Excellent. So, uh, so Sharky, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Has there ever been a point, whether you, you know, you're married, you have a beautiful wife, wonderful family. Has there ever been a crossed uh, in your mind where you're like, you know what, I'm going to, I want to go out with my wife and I want to take really risque, lewd sexual act photos with her all the darn time. No, of course not. I just, it doesn't listen. I'm no prude, but it just doesn't enter my mind. First of all, don't want to get arrested. I have an aversion to being locked up. I think great motivating factor for most people. And why would you do it? And especially with this story, and we have to be careful because like on my show, I cover this. I don't remember what episode it was, maybe 219 of the Petapixel Photography Podcast. We have to be careful how we describe this because A, we want to maintain our clean rating. B, we don't want to offend. There might be children listening. So we're going to not go into detail. We might not even hint at what happened. Yes. We'll dance around it. Perhaps we can link to it in the show notes at nonamephotoshow.com. And the photo is not explicit. Right. I think you see his backside, perhaps. You do. You don't see the act that was simulated, let's say. Yeah. So just to give people context here, I mean, it's the kind of photo that would warrant an NSFW, not safe for work, warning. It's the kind of photo that you might get a warrant for. Yeah. So this British couple, they were newlyweds. They went and got married on the Greek island of Rhodes. And for some reason, I don't know why, but they decided to have their photographer, they posed in this very uh, risque kind of position. And it's, uh, you know, I'm not even going to comment in terms of like, people can ask me personally what, what I think of the photo itself. But here's the thing, what happened? Because of this particular area is very, very much, uh, they're very, they hold tradition and the sanctity of religion very, very highly. It's very important to them. They actually, the, it resulted in the area banning all wedding, and there's like a wedding ban. They got married at a monastery. And so if you look at the photo, you see the monastery in the background. So it would be like going in front of a church and whether it's your church or not, it's just in my opinion, and in the opinion of many people, 
whether you agree with that religion or not, if you're a decent human being, you don't go desecrating someone else's religion and their beliefs for your, I don't know, your pleasure for, so to speak, for your, uh, you know, Instagram fame. They, they posted this photo on Facebook. It went viral. Millions of people have seen this now. And apparently this is a trend. People are now do just like people do the stupid. Sorry if I offend the wedding photographers out there, but everyone does the thing with the bride and the groom and the, you know, the groomsmen and the, and the bridesmaids where they jump in the air. It, it's like the obligatory. Here's us jumping in the air after the wedding or before the wedding photo. And now this thing has become a trend. Thankfully, most people aren't doing it. And I don't know why. Why is this thing taking off? It's just like I said, I'm not a prude, but why? Why? Just why? I, I see that to me is where I don't really understand because if you look at the photo, I can't tell if it looks like he's holding his own camera, like to take a selfie, like the, the couple, but clearly there was a third person unless they set up a tripod um, and, and kind of did a timer. I don't know where this kind of the, the, the line, and we've talked about this before in other episodes about there's a, you need to be a certain type of person where it's not like, you know, you're a wholesome, good person. And then somewhere along the way, you're standing here at this beautiful place. You just got married with your bride. And this thing is like, I'm going to take this, you know, this type of photo, you know, it, it doesn't just happen. This is something that that's the kind of people that you are. Now, here's the problem, Sharky, is that this has resulted in, because of this ban, according to the article, this is on DIY Photography, Georgios Eleftheroglu, sorry, I totally butchered the name. Says that, I did it on my podcast, too. I have no idea. I'm half Greek. The half Greek part of me maybe got it half right. Go ahead. It says, quote, hundreds of soon-to-be brides from Britain and all over the world are calling him today in tears because of this decision, end quote. And of course, I mean, just like these photographers who go out and fly their drones and crash them into really, really sensitive geologic areas, just like people who start fires in areas that you shouldn't be starting fires ends up having major, major ramifications. I just don't understand. I really, part of me is is, is kind of like morbidly curious, like what makes you think? And to it, it, in this case, to put your bride in this kind of just I don't know. It, it, it's such a tacky, tasteless thing to do. But to see this, the material impact that it's having, you know, let me ask you something like, do you think it's the, the response is appropriate? Uh, you know, here's the thing. So this is now affecting everybody else. There's literally hundreds of weddings they said they have booked up through. I think it was like 2021 or maybe it was 2025, something like that. I think they'll relax the ban because just why take it out on everybody? Just let everybody know this is not acceptable. Please do not do this. I think they perhaps overreacted, but I can understand why because they're it's part of the church. You know, they're religious people. This is just not cool. This is no bueno. Now, you reference the photo. The guy, he's I don't think he's actually taking a selfie. I think he's got they described it and I I think it looks like that. He's got his arm up. Kind of like, you know, like victory, kind of like, yeah, go get it. Oh, like a fist pump. Yeah, like a fist pump. And their actual photographer shot this photo. It's not the best photo. It's a snapshot. You know, there wasn't lighting set up. They just went ahead and, and did this. This was after the wedding ceremony. This was across the little lake or bay or whatever it is there. And they're like, hey, let's do this photo. I believe it was the idea of the groom. The bride was all for it. Their actual photographer shot this because I remember seeing him talk about it online. And so... I don't know. They just, just why do this? Why mess it up for other people? We've talked about that sort of thing before. Well, here's a, you bring up, okay, here's a really interesting point then. You said the photographer knew about this. He, it was a, it was a, a guy. Yes. And he said he's been asked, I believe he said he's been asked to do this before. This is not the first time he's done this kind of photo. So 
So as a photographer, as a, this is, you know, you're being paid, you're a professional photographer, wedding photographer, you're doing this. On one hand, do you draw a line? Because in terms of I won't, will not at all be involved with this or two, like, well, okay, I want to, these are my paying clients. I'm going to, to the best of my ability, do what they ask. But do you at least enforce in a contract like these cannot be shared online? Like it just, I know for me personally, I just it wouldn't, it, to me, it's just just tacky thing. I would never want to be associated with it as a photographer. Listen, even if you're not a prude and you think it's funny and, and whatever, I think you definitely don't want to be associated with that because that could tick off potential clients or maybe your current clients. Like maybe you also shoot, you know, engagement photos, senior photos, people's kids, family photos, and someone sees this and they go, you know what? That guy doesn't hold our values. We don't want to work with him anymore. Why take the chance? Just like you see a lot of photographers on Facebook. You and I know a lot of them and they talk about politics. They're anti-Trump or they they were anti-Obama or this, that, the other, whatever. Why take the risk, I think? Why you know, you gotta be like what, Sweden? No, Switzerland, not Sweden. Don't be like Sweden. Hashtag don't be like Sweden. You know, just why take the risk? And this bride didn't care. Uh, If you look at her comments there in the article, they asked her, I think it was the Daily Mirror in the UK. They asked her what she thought of it. And she said, basically, it was a bit of fun. Like, I don't see what the big deal is. They weren't embarrassed at all. They're in their 20s. Oh, no, actually, she's, I think, 30 something. And he's in his late 20s. They should know better. But they didn't think it was a big deal. I mean, listen, anyone who's going to do this kind of photo, obviously, is everything. Everything goes. Yeah. And, and I don't, I'm like you, I'm not a prude and I, I have absolutely no issues whatsoever with nude photography, you know, fine art nudes, that kind of stuff. But if you want to do it, this is what I want to uh, make a distinction for the audience. I don't care. I don't mind that they, this is the type of photo they did. What I mind is that they felt that it was appropriate for them to do it one in public and two at a kind of very sacred place. And they felt what they wanted or, you know, to do was more important than kind of being to, to, you know, to have the wherewithal to uh, respect and honor that location. And it's not, that's not the only story, Sharky. I, you know, as well as I do, there are models who were, you know, photographers and models were arrested in, in Luxor, Egypt for uh, taking, you know, stripping down. And then there was that Playboy model um, who climbed to the top of uh, Mount Taranaki in uh, New Zealand and offended the, the, the Maori uh, locals there. Like, you, you just climb to the top of a mountain. You're at the peak of a mountain. It's got to be cold. What? I don't understand it. What is like, I want to get completely naked and I want to have my, my naked butt photographed at the top of this mountain. I just don't photographically. I'm lost. You know, l- listen, and a lot of people that are doing these aren't photographers. These are just snapshots that people are taking. This guy that shot this photo, he could have said no. He could have said, you know what? Listen, I'm, I'm just really not comfortable being associated with that. And... A friend of the brides or grooms would have happily, I'm sure, because these are probably the people they associate with. This is their peer group would have taken the photo with their iPhone or Android device, whatever. And it would have been perfectly okay, you know, as far as the photography goes, but not ethically. You know what I'm saying? Like they could have the photographer could have absolved himself from it and the photo would have happened anyhow. I don't believe they did this on the property of the monastery, but you can see it in the background. And it's associating something that's holy and something that's sacred and something that people on the islands, the island of Rhodes really care about. It's also part of their economy. And so by now, by messing this up for the 200 plus weddings that are possibly not going to happen, locals there 
are really ticked off because that's now not groups of... Think about how many people come to a wedding. You're on the island of Rhodes, assuming everyone can travel there. A lot of people are going to be eating in town, yeah. going to be shopping, etc. So that now affects the local economy because some fool... And they listen, they might deep down be okay people, even though ethically this was not cool. And she, like I said, they don't really care. They, they're like, what's the big deal? We thought we were doing something okay here. They mess things for other people up. If you're, if what you're doing affects other people, then there's a problem there. Agreed. And that's the, that's ultimately what it is. is uh, I'm, I'm really interested in it from the photographer's point of view. Um, not so much. The act itself is just, it's just dumb. But I think about it if I were in that position and I never have been. So to speak. So to speak. Oh, wait, no, you're talking about photographer. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. But. I genuinely believe, and I, it's easy to say in hindsight and, you know, from the comfort of my home office. There is definitely a sight of his hind in this photo. Go ahead. Good one, Sharky. I Sometimes they just write themselves. This one was a good one. I approve. But the point is that I would like to believe that I w- that would be a line that I would, you know what, sorry, guys, we, you know, if we can do this. Just let's not do it here. Maybe let's kind of go in the hotel and do a boudoir thing or something or a doudoir thing. I don't know. But ultimately, again, just one of those things where. I feel like it's it, some people say maybe we're talking too much about this kind of photography etiquette, but kind of like you said, it writes itself. These things just get put out there. We have no shortage of examples. And I find it very interesting as a photographer. Here's how I'll close it. And then I'll, if you have anything to say, not only would I say no or the, the thought would be, listen, I don't want to get in trouble. But I would also as a photographer do like I always do whenever I go out shooting out, outdoors is what I'm going to do or can what I do affect other people, other photographers down the line. And if it will, then I'm not going to do it. I really don't need that shot. Um, I, no one needs to get that photo at the expense of affecting your fellow photographers to such a degree. And it's not just affecting your fellow photographers and affecting someone's local economy because this really, you know, this had an effect, right? This is going to cost them a lot of money. I think they'll reverse it. But also, do you want to associate your brand? as a photographer with this. And even if you don't have a photography business, even if you just love doing photography, do you want to be associated with that? People are going to then know you for that photo. Even if it's just on Facebook in your group, it's going to be like, oh, that guy, that's the one that took that photo that was questionable. I have a problem with that. You know, maybe I don't want my kids playing with his kids. I don't want them over there. If he would allow this, what else is going on? Sure. Good point. It opens you up to things that maybe you don't want to be associated with. So you have to think people just put some thought into this ahead of time. Like I always say on my show, before you go into a situation, and I've talked about this in reference to, let's say you're going to go shoot a protest or you're going to go shoot something where you may be questioned about why you're there as you know, the war on photography is real. Like I say, eventually you're going to be stopped by a police officer or a security guard and you need to think ahead of time about what you're going to say. So I think as it relates to this, you want to think about ahead of time. If someone asks you to do something that you're not comfortable with, what do you say? Because a lot of people will just give in to peer pressure and be like, oh yeah, sure. I'll do that. And they won't think this photo is going to go online. It's going to go viral. Everybody I know in my community is going to find out and no one will hire me ever again. Or maybe people will look at me funny. People won't talk to me. People won't let their kids play with my kids. Like I said, all that. You have to put some thought into it. And hopefully now people will do that as a result of listening to our show. Yeah. I mean, just to close out, even in episode 10 with when we had Michael Binsky and we were talking about, you know, what we had to do as photographers, just like it, it, that's that's another way of considering is like, will this, you know, not just what do I need to do to become a professional photographer, but will, like you said, will this, could this negatively impact my brand and 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 not just my brand, but like you, like you said, my family and stuff. So, all right, Sharky. 
couple episodes ago, let's move on here. Too much of a good thing is never a good thing. We had talked about mobile photography workflows, right? That's right. You and your wife, Nicole Z, Nicole S. Young, were heading to the Grand Tetons. And you were going to do... Why were you heading there? You were just creating content. It was just you know fall colors. You just wanted to... What were you there for? So first off, I was corrected by someone in the audience a while back. It's not the Grand Tetons. It's the Grand Teton National Park. There are apparently no Grand Tetons. So to appease him and to prevent future corrections, let's just say the Grand Teton National Park near Jackson, Wyoming... <laughs> I'm going to still refer to it as the Grand Tetons just you know, to annoy that one person I do not know. Do you know that I said that specifically because I knew you would respond that way? So thank you for <laughs> thank you, Sharky. <laughs> I like to cause trouble whenever possible. And that's why I love you. So um, so the, yeah, we, Nicole and I, we, we just uh, a couple months ago moved to Nebraska and it's been a while since we went shooting like 2017 has been a very barren year for us in terms of photography. And so after about two and a half months, we got the house pretty much the house is now a home and the dust is settled. We were like, you know what? I have this really cool pop up tent attached to my Jeep Wrangler. And we just decided, let's just drive to originally we were going to go to Grand Teton National Park and then down to Rocky Mountain National Park, like you said, to photograph the fall colors, the Grand Tetons. Go ahead. The Grand Tetons. And so, you know, we packed up our stuff and we drove out there it took like a day and a half or two days to get to the campsite because you drive like an old lady no i mean we listen the first day was like seven hours of driving and the second day was like six uh i just didn't want to drive 14 hours and what was the plan the plan was that we talked about doing a a mobile workflow you were going to see if you could bring just your ipad pro what's that a 10 inch ipad pro right and with the stylus and the apple pen actually right apple pencil apple pencil can't be an apple pen it's an apple pencil does not use lead, ironically. And so you, actually, it's not ironically. And it, Go ahead. Right. Come on, Sharky. Just move along. So you were going to see if you could leave your laptop at home and shoot and import those photos wirelessly or otherwise and see if you could hang with that. So what did you do? I did the complete opposite. You are a wuss. I did not even try. Why? Why didn't you try? Because I had only so much space on my iPad left. And so I would have needed to either to get some sort of external drive that had either Wi-Fi capabilities or use the USB dongle to connect. And, you know, I I just wasn't feeling it, (laughs) to be honest, like the amount of raw photos that I was going to shoot. I thought, you know what? I just don't want to deal with this. I had my laptop with me. I brought my iPad. Wait, hold on. I'm laughing over here because this is something that every photographer can relate to. There are times where in theory, it sounds like a good idea to bring all your lights and and everything and you know pack up your Tenba bag or whatever and, and head on out there and get ready to shoot with everything you have. And you're like, really? do I really want to do that? I just kind of, I want to have a better time. Right. I don't want to like bring too many roadblocks into the picture here. I'm going to wuss out. I'm okay with it. Everyone else should be. Well, it's the kind of thing where for the vast majority of our listeners who I would put as kind of like serious, anywhere from like an advanced amateur to a pro to like a really serious hobbyist, to go from what you're typically used to with like a Lightroom classic workflow to be able to kind of completely cut that out of the mix talking about just going exclusively as a mobile workflow there's just there i believe are are still too many compromises that you need to make they're very specific products that you need to specifically buy to make it work Uh, and i'm not talking about let me let me 
make it clear. I'm not talking about just using your phone to take photos or even your iPad to take photos. But as a photographer, you take your mirrorless or your DSLR camera, you know, with your SD cards or your CF cards, and you're shooting gigs and gigs to be able to realistically simulate a comparable, not even an exact, but comparable workflow is just too much. And trust me, I've spent a lot of time on this. I'm not saying it's impossible. And yes, I'm sure there will be a percentage of our audience that's like, no, I can, I do this. I do it great. That That's fine. But for my particular needs, I just want to, like you said, I just want to go out. I want to have a good time. I just don't want to deal with this because I was stressing out after I thought, well, I committed myself after that, that episode, like, oh man, I was telling the call, like, God, I, I got to do this now. <laughs> Thousands of people are disappointed in you. Listen, you are famously a spray and pray kind of guy. You shoot a thousand photos of the Grand Tetons. You're doing the unprecedented 1000 bracket HDR. No, you're not. You're doing more considered photos and you still didn't want to do it. How many shots did you take on this trip? Uh, Good question. Uh, 2,443. All right. And so at, what's the average file size for that? Like 50 megabytes or something? Yeah. If we average between the A7R2 and the A9, uh, I would say 45 megabytes is a good average. All right. So quick math, carry the three, the angle, the dangle, the heat of the meat, that whole thing. You're talking, I don't know, it's like a, a bazillion gigabytes, right? I mean, that's like way more than you're going to fit on an iPad Pro. And yes. so you, did you figure that ahead of time? You figured this is just too much. Yes. I mean, I would have to either figure out a way to connect a hard drive and then use some application that supports reading a file system off of a hard drive, or I'd have to go out and buy one of those hard drives that have a Wi-Fi that has its own proprietary app. Like, you know, we talked about Narbox, which would have actually Narbox just recently, when we first talked about them a few episodes ago, I think on that mobile photography episode, I was lamenting that they maxed out at 128 gigs, but they just this week are releasing a 256 gig version, which is getting to that point now where it's like, okay, I might be able to use this. Now, wait, hold on a second. So if you had done this, would you have just brought your selects into the iPad Pro? And that would, you know, assume that, okay, I'm bringing only my five star photos into there and I'm going to edit these because I want to get them up on social media right away. So, you know, you're out there busy, you're camping, you're spending time with your wife, you're seeing the sites, you're not really out there editing photos. Unless you have a deadline or you need to edit photos, you don't really need or want a mobile workflow. And, you know, just go out and shoot, bring some of your GTEC drives or NAR boxes or whatever, back up your photos, and then worry about it when you get home. And that's pretty much what you figured out, right? Ahead of time. You're like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. That's exactly what, what I did. We So we would go out every morning, we shot sunrise, and then we would, after the sunrise itself, we started scouring around wildlife because that's when there you would have the best shot of seeing like elk or bear. And so once that around 9.30ish or 10 o'clock, we are like, all right, we're hungry. Most days we decided we just wanted to go into Jackson to get a really nice filling hot breakfast, even though we could have heated up oatmeal. And just so people know, and I think I asked you about this and you did not answer me on Facebook, which happens occasionally, often, all the time. How far away from the Grand Tetons, no, where you're shooting like Mormon Row right there with that famous barn that everyone shoots, how far away is town? How far away do you have to travel? Because I think people want to know this. You have to plan your meals. You have to plan your bathroom visits, everything, right? As a photographer who's out there shooting landscapes and such, how far is it from Mormon Row where you're shooting those, you know, the, the barn and such with the Grand Tetons, how grand those Tetons are? That guy's going crazy right now. His head just exploded. Where? How far away is it into town? Sure. A, to go use the restroom. 
eat, etc. So we we camped at Signal Mountain. Two weeks after that, the campsite closes for the season. From Signal Mountain to get just to just about any kind of location within the park, and and Signal Mountain is with kind of within Grand Teton. It's about a half hour to get to the barns or to get to Schwabacher Landing. That's actually more like 40-ish minutes. And then from there, it's another half hour, 40 minutes to get into town. Not because it's so far away, but because you have speed limits in the park. And then also, if it's a busy time of day, in most cases, it's just two lanes of traffic going in either direction or one lane of traffic in either direction. So we would be typically leaving the park as the majority of tourists were coming in. Like, you know, they got their sleep and they got their breakfast at the hotels and whatnot. So we would go into the into town, have our breakfast, and we'd go to like Cowboy Coffee, which is just the greatest coffee shop in Jackson. And um, that's where we, we would import our photos. I would do a double backup. So it would go, it would import to my uh, local SSD in my laptop and then immediately back it up to the an external hard drive. And then I wouldn't even do any culling. Most of the time I was just like, at the time we, I was just preparing some newsletter stuff and, and responding to emails. You know, we stayed there for like 90 minutes and then boom, we're back out. We're shooting. You want to enjoy your visit. You don't want to be editing photos all day. Right. You're spending good money and good time to be out there. You can do the photo editing later. Yeah, so I think to to kind of wrap that part up, the whole mobile photography workflow thing. It's nonsense. The whole mobile workflow thing is largely nonsense here in late 2017, unless you want to spend all day editing and you're working just a few photos. You know, you see what Adobe has done with Lightroom CC, like clearly to them, mobile photography is a big thing. But it's I think it's important that we when we speak about this and and, and I say we as a collective differentiate between mobile photography as in those, you know, the kind of and I hate even using the word millennials, but the kind of newer age photographers where their phone is all they really need. Maybe even just a phone and a camera with one lens. That's all they're using as opposed to mobile photography workflow for us, which is kind of taking a longstanding legacy workflow with big files and trying to wrap it around mobile, which is bandwidth intensive. And like you said, time intensive and still not nearly as mature. Like look at Lightroom CC. We all agree is just Lightroom mobile made for the desktop. That still is missing a lot of key features that power photographers, curves, split toning, HDR, pano, printing, GPS. Which it eventually will have. And we talked about that a week ago. Eventually it'll have that. That's what Adobe wants to get you into. But so we would basically, I think you would say right now it's not quite ready for prime time when you're going to the Grand Tetons. Right. That's what they are. It's not. Or anywhere. It's not the Teton. The Grand Tetons. No, you want to just enjoy your visit, especially, and I would say, especially if you have a loved one with you, you've got your wife, you have your husband, you have your kids. I would argue, enjoy the moment. You don't get out to these places all the time unless you live close by or in Jackson Hole or whatever. Enjoy the moment. Edit your photos later. Don't worry about the workflow. Don't try to be the power mobile photographer unless you have a blog and you need to serve your audience right away. Just do it later. Enjoy the moment. Have fun. You make a really good point that I want to close out on in terms of, I think for the the whole mobile photography thing serves a purpose of instant gratification, meaning for the people who just have to share right away and they don't just want to share a snapshot, they want to be able to share a high res JPEG that they edit. That's where the mobile photography thing really benefits. There's really no other benefit that I can see with mobile photography workflows in terms of backing things up. Like you're not going to back, I'm not going to back up 2000 photos um, while I'm out in the field. It's never going to happen. You're never go. I don't never in our lifetime. You're never going to put 2000 photos on an iPad pro. No, you're just not going to do it. You wouldn't load it up. Even if you had the space, it would take a lot of time. And just why? 
you're not it's you wouldn't even think to do it right take out your smartphone take a picture of the grand tetons send it to your friends and family and post on instagram get home edit the good stuff exactly so speaking of grand we'll go into our final topic it's not often we do three topics but this is kind of like i think our first i don't know if i'm going to call it a redaction or what do the newspapers do they have to like when they have an error or something um so sharky you remember when in episode nine, we were talking about photo etiquette and I brought up a story about the photographer who's at the barn. We asked him how to get to the place and he said he doesn't know. It was like 10, 15 feet away. He was yes. the only other guy out there. Yes. He had to have known that in a few minutes you were going to figure it out and be over there with him. And yet he still is like, I don't know. I don't know how I got here and I'm not going to tell you basically. Right. So the other day I was driving with Nicole, my wife, and we were listening to that episode, episode nine. And when I got to the part of the show where I started explaining or describing the scene, she's like, that's not how it happened. That's not how I remember it. And she was really upset because apparently she felt that I was misrepresenting, not intentionally, but because I wouldn't do that. But we genuinely had a, she felt that, that he was genuinely like, I don't know, like he must have either actually gotten his feet wet or something but yeah so like figuratively and literally he got his feet wet you guys were both there at the same time you guys were not distracted you and your wife and yet you have two different stories two different memories yeah and you're not old people like me no i mean i remember it she was she's like i don't want to listen to this segment anymore and i got upset because like are you kidding me so i want to put it out there that it is possible to the audience, our loving, loyal, faithful audience. Someone messaged me and said, well, it's possible he parked because there is a parking area. If you drive beyond or depending which direction, there's another area where you can park outside of the main kind of tourist parking area where you can get to the there's no you can walk right to the spot. You don't have to cross over that channel of water to that. I said, no, because his car was there. He was the only other car there. All right. So I'm going to stick up for you. So he might have said, I don't know. But he also didn't say, well, I think you can do this or I might have gone this way. He was just like, I don't know. No. So you remember correctly that he was like, I don't know, right? No, you're saying now you so now you have new recollections based on what your wife told you. No, so Nic- she gave yes. you the new memory. So Nicole said the way she remembers it, he said, I don't know. I must have done it wrong because my feet are wet. Wow. Yeah. And listen, I didn't do a, a tactile inspection of his feet, but I remember standing there and I remember looking at his feet. He wasn't wearing waders. He didn't look wet. Why were you looking at his feet? That's a little weird. We won't go into that. We're not that kind of show, but go ahead. Because I remember him saying that. And I remember like when she told me that it was kind of like a an inception moment. But my point, I still stand that, you know, he was being a jerk. For your own, to make this happy in Brian Matisha's head, he's the jerk. You remembered things correctly. Your wife is wrong then. You're calling her out right here. You're saying Nicole's wrong. I I would never be so bold. But my point is, I don't have a point actually. I just wanted to make a redaction because I want Nicole to be happy. She loves the show and I want her to hear this and, and know that I will go so far as to say that I will I will abdicate and say that her accounting is the correct one. My apologies. That's the kind of guy you are. You want to make one person, albeit an important person in your life, your wife happy versus the thousands that listen to this and could have just, they would have gone along with the story. They would not have known. But so it takes a big man. Yeah, I'd appreciate, I want to know what the audience thinks. Do they side with me or with Nicole? Knowing what they know. <laughs> Are you team Brian or team Nicole? Exactly. Hashtag team Brian. Hashtag. All right. So Brian, what is on your gear shelf? Enough of the grand Tetons. What's on the gear shelf? 
Thank you, Sharky. Um, so what's on my gear shelf is actually something that I use quite often. And I, I, really, I have several of these. I rely on them in terms of when I do my video setups. The first, it's kind of a two-parter thing. The first is a super clamp and it's made by Manfrotto. And what it, the super clamp does is it'll, it basically is a clamp. It allows you to clamp to just about any surface with really, really nice, tight results without actually damaging the surface. And then attached to that is a magic arm. I had to ask Sharky because I couldn't remember the name of the product, but it's a magic arm by Manfrotto model 244. And again, these will be linked in the show notes at nonamephotoshow.com. But what I use these for is essentially I have like a, I'll have a video tripod and I'll have my camera on it, but then I'll have, I need to have my Atomos um, monitor and a microphone and various things connected. And so this magic arm, it really is magical because it allows me to kind of contort and twist and position whatever object is on it with complete precision. And when you tighten that thing, that thing is locked in. Like I've had some pretty heavy stuff in there and it does not move. So that's my pick. What about you? Well, I want to say what you do with this is so you move, you put your camera or whatever on it, you move it into position. Like let's say with your left hand, with your right hand, you turn this wheel. It's like a man, about three or four inch wheel or so. And you tighten it down and there's different. There's let's see, I've because I've got one as well. And there's Coupo makes one, Manfrotto makes one. They're all similar kind of devices. The patent must have expired on whoever invented it because everyone's making them. And so you uh, let's see, there's one, two, there's like three different joints. And there's different plates you can put on it. You could mount flashes to it. You can mount cameras, et cetera, et cetera. So it's funny that you mentioned video tripods. And full disclosure, I don't have an offer code for anybody. You can't even buy this product right now. MePhoto is one of my advertisers over on the Petapixel Photography Podcast. Because of my relationship with them, and this is pretty cool, I got one of the first Me Video. That's their new brand. So there's MePhoto, and that's F-O-T-O. And then there's, uh, so the Spanish way, MePhoto. And then there's Me Video, which I guess ironically is also spelled the Spanish way. Right? Video. I don't know. Reminds me of Fideo. That's it. I'm just shaking my head. <laughs> As you always are. And so the Me Video Globetrotter is available. It's on a Kickstarter campaign right now. So a lot of people, we've talked about this before, is a way of getting your product out there, seeing what kind of interest there is, and getting it crowdsource funded. Listen, they got plenty of money. They've been making tripods forever. My purple tripod, which is famous now, and all kinds of colorful, fun tripods. They have great stuff. So now they have this Me Video Globetrotter tripod. It's available in black and in titanium, which is like a gray. And it's available in aluminum and carbon fiber. And this is my very first carbon fiber tripod. As I famously said on Scott Bourne's show, I've been an aluminum kind of guy. It's heavier and I just feel like that is just more solid. Well, guess what? You can always add more weight to the bottom via that hook. So that was stupid of me. Should have spent a little bit more money, got a carbon fiber model, but that's up to people. This, and I'm not saying this because they sponsor my show, MePhoto. This is a great tripod. This, they put a lot of thought into this thing, all the bells and whistles. And most importantly, it is a third of the weight of my old Manfrotto tripod, which I talked about in episode 221, which I bought a decade ago during my photojournalism career. I was doing a lot of video in the community. I was lugging around this ginormous tripod when I could have had something like this, which didn't exist at the time. You know, me photo and now me video are known for smaller tripods, the double folding legs, they fold up. This has four sections and it's more compact. I could literally hold it with my pinky and I'm just fine. I wouldn't dare do that with my old one because the old one is like 16 pounds. 
And this is like a third of the weight. Do you do like pinky curls? I didn't attempt pinky curls. I will do that after the show. But this video tripod, the Mi Video Globetrotter, there's a number of packages, of course, on Kickstarter. Kickstarter is not a store, but of course, Mi Photo has been around forever. This is going to be a thing. I have one of the first ones in the world. It is awesome. I've had Mi Photo tripods, as everybody knows, years before they even sponsored. They're fun. They're compact. They're lightweight. The carbon fiber version is even lighter weight than the aluminum one. It holds something like 8.8 pounds, which is plenty these days. You can put a mirrorless or DSLR on there, shoot video with it. You can also do use it for photography, Yep. right? There's no reason why you can't. Why not get a video tripod? If you think you're going to do video, you know, and it's you got smooth panning and tilting. It's great. All the bells and whistles. One of the legs removes. You can make it a monopod. It's fun. So that's the Mi Video Globetrotter. And they have a Kickstarter campaign going on until mid-November 2017. After that, they'll be available for sale. And it's like 150 bucks cheaper if you get in on the Kickstarter campaign. Cool. So there you go. There's my pick. Head on over to MeFoto.com. That's M-E-F-O-T-O.com. And you'll see the link to that. You mentioned uh, video tripods. I had a different pick. But since you mentioned that, We're going with the video one. Done. All right, Sharky. Episode 11 in the can. A great episode, if I have to say so myself. I'll go so far as to say so. Awesome. How do you want to wrap it up? Let's just clap it out. Let's clap it out. Everyone can just go to nonamephotoshow.com. You can uh, check out our stuff. What? What are you laughing at? You forgot? (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) You forgot? Go to No Name Photo Show. There's your, uh, <laughs> you're such a professional. No, go to nonamephotoshow.com. You'll have our uh, the show notes, the links over there. Or in most podcast apps, especially the one for uh, the podcast app, it's called. For iOS, you can just click the show graphic. It'll flip around. You've got your show notes in there. In most apps, in most podcatchers, they're called. You can click the links. So we'll have everything right there for you. And you're good to go. You ready to clap it out? Let's do it. All right, here we go. One, two. Awesome. Love you, brother. Love you too, dude. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the No Name Photo Show. Sharky and I would be thrilled if you would subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using and tell a friend. So how about we do this again in the next episode? Yeah, let's do that. Mm-hmm.